And we are back on yet and again another episode of Picked Off. This is KCR College Radio. We are the Sound of State. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Freund. I'm joined by my two main co-hosts in... Revan Honda. And Andrew Finley. Revan Honda and Andrew Finley again joining us here on the show. And uh, quite a week it was uh, during the, when we were... Uh, by the last time we were here, a lot of things have happened here in San Diego and around the sporting world in general, especially in terms of the in terms of baseball. We've seen a lot of things happen in the NFL. A couple games even got canceled. But we're going to start off this week with a little, I guess, something more personal here, especially for the three of us. As you all know, the uh, San Diego or as, a, as what it is called now, the SDCCU Stadium, formerly known as Jack Murphy Stadium, formerly known as Qualcomm Stadium, is finally getting, uh, I guess, demolished. I would say destroyed, but I want to give it a little bit more respect. It has been, I don't know how many, correct me if I'm wrong, 56 years approximately it's been it's around? 53. I, I was going to say 67. I could look that up right now. It's, yeah, I think it was 67, so 53 years. Yeah, so it's it's been around for, God, years and years. Well, it was once one of the heights of the stadiums and, like, and dual-purpose stadiums for both baseball and, and football because both the Padres and the Chargers played there. But now it's just uh, literally falling apart as we speak. So do any of you guys – I want to begin this section off with something a little more personal. What memories do you have of this of the former stadium, personal or historical wise? Andrew, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, being a big Charger fan growing up, I went to my first Charger games there. I remember my first one was a Sunday night game against the Ravens in 2011, and we blew up against them. Ryan Matthews, I think, had a couple touchdowns, and. Um, I was just amazed how loud it was. You know, I, I'd never stepped foot in that stadium before that. I was, I was 13 and I was hooked and I, I kept going with my dad charger games after that. And, you know, the NFL is so much fun when you get to be a part of it. And when they left, you know, like a piece of my heart, it, it felt like they pulled out a piece of my heart when the chargers left. So I have a lot of great memories there. A lot of, even when the Chargers lost, it was always a really fun time going there. And, you know, I'm going to be really sad to see it go. I know it was a big part of my parents' uh, lives growing up because they went to a lot of Charger games in the 80s and 90s and a lot of Padre games there too. But for me personally, I'm going to be sad too. But I know that they're going to build a shiny new stadium on that site, and I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Brevin, anything you got? Yeah, I think about all the great moments that have been in that stadium. You think about Tony Gwynn and what he was able to do for 20 years in a Potter uniform. You think about Aztec running backs in Marshall Falk and Rashad Petty and Donald Pumphrey and what they were able to do there during their time. You think about the going back to the Potteries, 84 and 98 uh, with Garvey and Goose and Gwen and Gary and that whole bunch in 84 and you do that 14 years later and it's so much history there but I think for me personally uh, my parents this is probably a family story that we have but 
uh, I was almost born at Qualcomm at the queue because um, uh, my, my, my mom, when, when I first started to kick, we were at a pottery game. Uh, and this was when the Pudgies were facing the Cubs. And um, this was like 1999 Cubs, so it wasn't like your 84 Cubs or anything like that. But, um, and then I came out the next day pretty much and then uh, went to my first party game in person three weeks later. Not bad, not bad. That's pretty cool. And, you know, you, you were talking about all the historical moments that happened there, you know. You didn't even mention LT's uh, record-breaking touchdown yep. uh, week 14 in 2000, 2006. And mm-hmm. Yes, 2006. Teams, and the year – and the AFC championships and all the Super Bowls that were played there. Yep. You know, it, it's, it was a very used multi-use stadium. And, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird – not being not seeing Qualcomm there off the off the 15. Yeah. I um oh go ahead. Constructed in 19 or opened it broke ground in 1965 and it was opened in 1967. Wow. Sheesh. So that was that was 50 that was come on let's do math here. That was 50 53 years ago. There we go. Yeah, so much, you know, bringing up LT and, you know, especially with the Chargers and what they were able to do here, you know, with Rivers and LT, Antonio Gates, even uh, Drew Brees and, you know, the success and the long tenure that they were able to have with their NFL careers that started in San Diego and continues in the Chargers organization. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's a shame that they had to go. Um, you know, in my opinion, too, I, I thought, because I went to a lot of Charger games there over the last couple years, and I felt like they could have renovated Qualcomm and made it uh, usable and more modern. You know, it wouldn't have been a beautiful, beautiful stadium, but it would have been used, absolutely usable. And, you know, Spanos and company just said, nah, dude, it's a, it's a dump. And they I, um, I actually believe that um, I've heard that there's a, apparently, I don't know if this is how true this is or not, how much truth there is to this, but apparently when the Chargers were still in San Diego, Sony actually came to Dean Spanos and offered to build him, not a new stadium, but just like, because, you know, they can't exactly build a new stadium for you. That's going to take a lot more legal hoops. And stuff. Oh, yeah. But Sony came to Dean Spanos and offered him, hey, we see that video board you have there. That is disgusting. And it was. So we will offer you, we will offer to buy, to make you a brand new video board to replace both those old ones. And we'll do it at a reduced cost. We'll do that just for you because we want this to be a better football experience. Dean Spanos turned them down because he would rather have have that leverage to try and move out of San Diego to Los Angeles, which he eventually did because it's Dean Spanos and he's cheap. So the man literally turned down new scoreboards. Like imagine the scoreboard in San Diego in Peco Park, now at Qualcomm Stadium. Yeah. Wouldn't have been too hard to do. Yeah. Also, sorry about that. My 
I have a landline at my house and the phone decided <laughs> to go off. Telemarketers, you know how that is. Uh, sorry, sorry to all the KCI listeners. We're not taking calls. Maybe, maybe later down the road, but not right now. Not yeah. right now. You know, awesome. we, we we just appreciate you listening to us. Honestly, like exactly. I, I'm not even. If you call in, that's amazing. Not You'd exactly. Me, but I'm not ready to give my personal phone number out yet. Not yet. Maybe if we get bigger, who knows if that'll ever happen. But if we're going back to STCCU, like memories we've had there, a friend of mine, we decided, we actually went to the quote-unquote last Chargers game against the Miami Dolphins, I believe in 2015. This was the year everyone thought they were going to leave, but then they stayed for another year. But this was when, like, we scalped for tickets because we didn't have any. We scalped for tickets. We managed to get some, like, maybe 50, like 30 minutes before the game started. We bought these tickets. And we watched the game. It was really emotional because everyone thought that this was the year. This is when the Chargers were going to leave. Like, they, like, there were signs everywhere, like, degrading Spanos and screaming at him. Someone started an F.U. Spanos chant going on. And at the end of the game, I remember they remember at, on, like, the last possession, they pulled Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, and Malcolm Floyd all came out of the game like they they played one play in like the final series of the fourth quarter and then they pulled them all out of the game the announcer made the announcement saying that philip rivers gates and floyd have been pulled and the cole crowd just gave them a standing ovation i think the chargers actually did win that game yeah they destroyed the dolphins that game yeah they destroyed the dolphins i remember there was actually a fight at that game right in the stands but that's something uh, there probably was <laughs> Yeah, great, great job. Get into a fight in the uh, one of the last Charger games in Qualcomm Stadium. Good job. But to Qualcomm experience most. right there. <laughs> you never yeah. been to a Charger game and see two guys fight in the stands. You probably didn't go to Qualcomm Stadium. That that's all I've got to say about that. It wasn't even Jesus a Raiders game. Long seats. <laughs> <laughs> but what what hit me the most was when. Rivers stayed after the game and just signed autographs for everyone. Eric Weddle stayed after the game to sign autographs for everyone. But over the announcing announcement board, they played the uh, they played a song. I believe it's by the Jackson Five. It was called "Won't You Stay Just a Little Bit Longer." If you know what that song is, they played that over the over the loudspeakers, and everyone listened to it. And there was it was a really emotional time because you know everyone thought that this was it like this they were gonna leave this is gonna be no more chargers that's one of the memories i have of being at qualcomm stadium but on a more positive side the same friend of mine matt his name is matt and we, we went to a aztec game and it was i don't know if you know this it was against stanford and if you know stanford <laughs> they were ranked at the time and we had really good seats. We were like on field level. And the game actually saw the lights go out at Qualcomm Stadium. So everyone had their phones out and they were all like, you know, play, had the flashlights on so people could play. But it was kind of a joke. Everyone thought it was funny. But the Aztecs went on to win that football game and we got to rush the field. That is still the only time I've ever been able to rush a field, a court, doesn't matter. I got to rush the field at Qualcomm Stadium with my, with my buddy. As did everyone else. Hold on, you never rushed to court? I never rushed to court, no. What? I was not. 
Yeah, because the reason why is because I wasn't at the Aztec game when they won the championship. I was at work. Oh, oh okay. Work on that day, so I couldn't go to the game, <laughs> which totally sucks. I would have been there, but, you know, work literally called saying, hey, you got to come in. I'm like, oh, man, I had to be scheduled for this day. I watched it on my phone, but, yeah. But still, that is the one experience I've had at Qualcomm Stadium that I don't think I'll ever have again in my life. As long as if they have fans at the basketball games. If they have fans at the basketball games, then maybe I will, but then I'm still not doubting anything. Hey, man. I mean, we're going to get to these guys in a bit, but when the Padres finally win the National League West, we're going to storm the field, man. I think we're going to storm That'll the field. That'll be us. <laughs> I mean, I think the funniest part was even security knew that it was going to happen. Like, they saw people getting ready to rush the field. They took one look at the crowds joining and said, Nope, not doing this. They just stepped aside and let everyone run, run on. That's fair. Yeah, you know, it's a college atmosphere, big game. Yeah, let, them, let, let, let the kids have fun. And yeah, that was back when, uh, well, that, that was when Penny was having his big year, too. Like, everyone, like, there was that whole uh, Penny for Heisman. That's when everyone was pushing for a shot. Oh, Penny yeah, even I remember that. That, that, that. that was a great time to be an Aztec football fan. But Finley, you do speak of the Padres. It's been a it's been a week for them. It has been a very big week for them. Yeah, it's been exciting. It's also been very emotional and mm-hmm. very stressful. Uh, mm-hmm. The Padres, of course, go on to win the uh, National League wildcard series against the St. Louis Cardinals. We broke the Cardinal curse. They are not they did not beat us in the playoffs this time. And even after that game one where Chris Paddock blew up in the first uh, two innings of that game, you know, we settled down after that. And even after Davies had his uh, bad game the next day, the bats woke up. I think it was in the fifth inning. And then we just cruised from yeah. there on. And it was it was a lot of fun. Now we're playing the Dodgers. Um yeah, we'll we'll get to all that, but it's yeah. been a very very emotional, heart pump. Yeah, it's it's been crazy this week. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's that's a, so. Let's start with the positives first. Let's start with the positives here first. Now, Finley, I like how you I like how you say we broke the cardinal curse. The Padres have exercised that demon, finally beating the Cardinals in a playoff series. Because San Diego hasn't won a playoff series since, I'd like to say, 98 when they went to the World yep. Series. Mm-hmm. Because they made it in 2006, lost the Cardinals, should have made it the year after, but Matt Holiday happened. 2010, they fell apart at the very last moment. The Giants swooped in, t- took that. Now, finally, got to the Cardinals. Looking bad in game two, it was six, the score was 6 to 2 going into, I don't know, the fifth or the sixth inning. Then, you know, of course, Fernando Tatis Jr., three-run home run. Manny Machado follows up, solo home run. And then everything just gets going from that point. Yeah, too, another thing about, you know, you brought up being down 6-2. to two. I think it's in entering that game, the Cardinals were 68-1 and one when leading by four runs. Yeah, yeah. In a playoff right, game. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think when Tatis hit that through and Homer to make it 6-5, to five, I think that, you know, like you said, it just really clicked. And, you know, you started to see 
you know, the the offense really starts to get going. Will Myers having those two homers late in the game, you add um, Tatis's opposite field homer with that bat flip. It was – and then that, that stat about Tatis and Myers becoming the first two players to hit two homers in a postseason game since Gary and Ruth. Yeah. Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, two actual Hall of Famers, two people, two men who have been baseball described legends. Yeah. You, baseball. you can't even say Hall of Famers because there's a lot of Hall of Famers. These two are baseball legends. Like these are two guys who you think about the game of baseball and you think who are two guys that represent Major League Baseball in the history of Major League Baseball. And you think of Babe Ruth as like the face of mm-hmm. baseball everywhere. And then Lou Gehrig was just like, this incredible, incredible player who was his teammate. And that's just that's some elite, elite company, to say the least. Yeah, we, Luke we, Gary, you can think Wally Pitt, too. Wally Pitt. Oh, yeah. there, there are so many players you can talk about in this history. But the fact that you get compared to two of arguably the greatest hitters in baseball history and you get to share company with them is a prestigious honor to have. And it's amazing that the Padres of all teams get to do that because now we get to talk to people and say, yeah, we, got com- we can compare it to Gehrig and Ruth. What do you get to do? <laughs> what about you? What what's say you, other teams? But game three is where I think they really showed their focus because no one expected Craig Stammen to be the starter for that game. Nope. Everyone, myself included, saw thought, okay, it's going to be Adrian Morajon, he's going to go three innings, then it's going to be Garrett Richards, then they're just going to go with that. Nah, they decided to go with the uh, – Jason Tingler decided to cast the uh, death by bullpen spell on the Cardinals, and it worked. It, it was worked. fantastic. It, it was worked. everything you could have hoped for. Literally worked to perfection because a, they tossed a four-hit shutout amongst them, and they were just – sharp it was perfect and even the cardinals throwing jack flaherty who yeah he's had a bad season so far and by the numbers you could say that numbers weren't so great but he's still a good pitcher like last year top five cy young last year yeah he was top five cy young he had an era under 2.5 this guy was incredible and he shut down the padres until like tatis hit that hit that line drive hosmer hit that double and that's what the padres were waiting for that entire game, Flaherty was keeping everything down. Everything was at the knees, below the strike zone. They were waiting for that pitch to be elevated, and Hosmer took advantage of that pitch when he saw it. Elevated fastball, just got to hit it. And he did, right into the left field, right into left, left center field, RBI double, never looked back from there. I think, too, with the pitching, I think it really showed how – you know, you know, in the past few years, we talked about bullpens and how important they are, but game three really showed how important bullpens really are. And especially in a bullpen game where you don't know when that next pitcher is going to come in if you're the opponent, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know how they're going to pitch. Right. Yeah. So, I heard Mark Grandin, I heard John Schmoltz last night even talk about how you know, you could have these big, long bullpen days, and then, yeah, it's it's great. Everyone's coming in fresh, but if one guy is off their game, that can screw up your entire rotation of pitchers you have coming out of the bullpen. And on that uh, Friday, I believe, when we were facing elimination in a 1-1 game, um, everyone was sharp. 
And that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty incredible. The funny thing is I actually left my house to go get food when Hosmer hit that double. And I had like a feeling <laughs> in the back of my mind saying, you know what, if I leave, something's going to happen. I know it's going to happen if I leave. So I might as well leave now. We'll see if it happens. And I'm listening to the game on radio because quick break from this. Can we book, can everyone here agree that the announcers were bad for ESPN? Oh, yeah, almost like yeah. Oh my God. That was, they were terrible. Rick Sutcliffe was actually a former Padre announcer and <laughs> he could not wait to get out of San Diego soon enough. And he, once he was gone, he still hated the Padre ever since. I've never heard someone talk about Yadier Molina and the Cardinals so much like these guys. Oh, don't forget about Dylan Carlson, the the amazing, oh, <laughs> the amazing oh, yes, cleanup the, hitter. The incredible Dylan Carlson and how wonderful and ecstatic he's brought to this Cardinals lineup in the fourth spot because we don't need to hear about him. Because the Cardinals lineup is bad. That's why. <laughs> yeah, one bright spot, and it was Dil- Dylan Carlson, and they milked the living hell out of it. And Man, I, I, I don't like his name anymore. <laughs> oh, and did you guys also know that the Cardinals uh, had to play like 40 games in like 50 days? They had a bunch of double headers and they had to be isolated for so long? I think they only said that like 20 times. Oh, they, oh come on. It was, it, they didn't say it too many times. They could have said it at least 15 more times. Yeah. See, I, I thought Sekou was saying the way he was just because he was still mad from 84. Yeah, I, I actually think that. I think he still has a grudge against San Diego because, mm-hmm. God, this guy was such a cardinal homer for the entire series. Which but, is but, yeah, he lives uh, in Carlsbad. I mean, God, Hawk Harrelson is less of a homer for the Chicago White Sox than Sutcliffe was for the Cardinals. That's saying yep. something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Which was ironic that, that Sutcliffe would be talking about the Cardinals when – the Cubs and Cardinals were probably a big a big rivalry in the NL Central. Oh, that's he doesn't a, care. That's one of the biggest <laughs> rivalries in baseball. Yeah. This this man doesn't care. As long as he gets to bash the Padres, he'll do it. He'll do it immediately. And listening to Joe Davis and John Smoltz yesterday, that was such a breath of fresh air. I mean, it wasn't Don Orsillo and Mark Grant, but it was still actually nice to hear someone. Yeah, talk it was about quality. Them. Yeah, it was quality. They knew when what you, they were talking you, about. Yeah, when you had to leave game three, what was it like to go from Rick Sutcliffe to Ted Leitner and Jesse Aguilar? Oh, my God, it was beautiful. It, it, it was like – it's like a man who was trapped in a cave for, like, a week, finally getting out into the fresh air again. It's like, oh, my God. It's actually good broadcasting. It's – I get to listen to someone who knows what they're talking about and actually knows how to broadcast properly. Someone who shows emotion for once. <laughs> So uh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you guys saw this or heard about it, but the, um, the, for the Cardinals, they had the Cardinals radio broadcasters also doing their games because, you know, the Padres radio broadcaster did their own game, did it too. The Cardinals did their broadcasting. Oh, my God. They he actually was born, right? He was zero emotion? Yes. Is that him? Oh, okay, yeah. That was, that was worse than Sutcliffe. I mean, God, Sutcliffe was, was that. And he, and he said stupid things, but I'm pretty sure they – they got some guy, the Cardinals. I'm pretty sure they got that guy just like, hey, man, do you know anything about baseball? Uh, yeah. Do uh, you want to announce the game real quick? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll give you a, a free dinner. All right, I'm in. Dude, this that guy, guy sounded like 
this guy sounded like he was asleep for half the game. It looks like he knocked back a few bottles of Jack Daniels. I agree. Dude. I mean, we're we're fortunate that we have the announcers that we have, but you know, that that was just bad. And it's awful. And it's I guess it's none of our business because it's all the way in St. Louis. Yeah. But you know, I hear people say all the time, "Oh, baseball is boring. Baseball is boring." And now I, I, I kind of get why they say that because mm-hmm. these announcers. They're announcing games and they're doing a, a bad job. You know, they're they're not bringing any life into the game, and it's hard to sit through that. Yeah, it's hard to sit through some guy who sounds like he doesn't care, or some guy who sounds like he's obviously for one side when you're on a national broadcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think if yeah, I, it's it's not it's not a good look for baseball. No, it's an it was a terrible. Look, I don't, I don't even know why these guys were anywhere near a broadcasting booth because that ESPN, get it together, boys. Come on. I mean, oh, they've been going downhill for 10 years, dude. I've ranted to my friends about how bad ESPN has been. They're gimmicky and they, yeah, they're gimmicky and they go with what's popular. They don't go with what's good. They go with what's, po- with what's popular. You'll hear SportsCenter go on for 45 minutes about LeBron James, even if he has a bad game. Just, or, or the Yankees or the Dodgers. We're getting ahead of ourselves, Steve. Let's keep talking yeah, we're, Padres. Like, we're, 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 we're supposed to be talking about the Padres here, but, God, <laughs> we're getting on a rant about – Getting on a tangent. Awful, awful broadcasting presented by the glorious ESPN. No, but still, back, back to the point now, retracing ourselves back to the point. I believe we were talking about the, uh, how, how strong the bullpen looked in game three against the Cardinals, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but still, I'm happy that Preller actually, A.J. Preller, Padres general manager, made the, made the trades that he did because Trevor Rosenthal, game three Trevor Rosenthal, was as sharp as he ever looked. <laughs> he needed that, too, because the game before, you know, it was a highly offensive contest, winning 11-9, to and he was loading guys on the bases with one no outs, one out, and one out. Yeah, it was one, one out, one but out. geez, like, and we throw him in in a game, in an elimination game. Sure, we're up for nothing, but you know that stress is there, and he just threw a dime. I'm pretty sure he struck out the side. He did. And struck it out was, the side. It was beautiful, and you know, good on Trevor Rosenthal. Good on AJ Prower for getting him at the trade deadline. Really, really bare fruit right there. I think what Rosenthal did before the game was he had a, I think he had a um, California burrito from Lolita's. That's probably what he did because he's been posting all over Twitter about Lolita's and how much he loves Mexican food now. Right next to the ballpark. Right next to the ballpark. I swear, it must be like, it's like spinach for Popeye's. Now, like, get Trevor Rosenthal a California burrito. He he needs a power boost real quick. Yeah. That'd be funny. They should use that as their advertising, Lolita's. Yeah, get, get, yeah. I think they need to put Lolita's like they they need to they need to boost it up a little bit. They need to pump the, they need to hype them up a little bit. So positives are done now because now we have to face our arch nemesis. So of course, the Padres can have nothing good. We can have nothing easy. We get to face the Dodgers now, and uh, mm-hmm. we're already at a disadvantage because. God, I, it sucks to see Clevenger go down. He was so excited to pitch. You could see him. He was 
he was antsy. The guy was like a little kid getting ready to throw his first game in Little League. He wanted to throw in that game one against the Dodgers. And then injuries happen. He's not going to be ready. He's not going to pitch for the rest of the series. I know they're saying it's day-to-day, but I, if you want this guy to be in the next season, you don't throw him at all. That's just my opinion on it, but I don't want to see Clevenger get any more hurt than he already has. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I think it's with, you know, you make these trades not just for this year, but when a guy like AJ Preller makes those trades, it's for to be able to be in contention for year after year. I mean, you look at Mike Clevenger, who has uh, those years, I think it's still 2023 20, or something like that. And those years that he still has is crucial if he wants to be the ace of the staff in 2021 definitely yeah and you know I think if Clevenger I think we sit him out for the rest of this series and hope that we have enough arms to get through the Dodgers I and I'll get to this later but I don't think our arms are the problem I think what Clevenger getting hurts presents us with is whether we should bring up Mackenzie Gore or not because AJ Prower has been very strict that he wants Mackenzie Gore to only come up as a starter. You only want him to play as a starter. And Clevenger, of course, is a starter. And if we if we say, oh, he's hurt, that fills that opens up a hole for um Mackenzie Gore to come to the rotation. And this is a guy who the Dodgers have no um they have no scattering report on this guy. And we saw it with Ryan Weathers last night. Ryan Weathers was a little wild, but the Dodgers didn't know what was coming at him. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good that's that's a strategy that the Padres could utilize if we choose to go that route is to throw in Mackenzie Gore and throw the Dodgers an extra curveball almost literally because Mackenzie Gore's curveball is nasty. That'd be oh, yeah, but from what I'm hearing, I that was a, according to a report by Dennis Lynn from The Athletic, the plan with Clevenger if they want to replace him because it's takes so much to actually replace a, someone on your roster. Because first, you have to go to the commissioner. You have to go to Rob Manford. You have to present him with documentation that this guy's actually hurt from your team position. You have to tell him in advance, saying, like, okay, here's what's wrong with him. This is why we need to replace him. Right. And then, then you finally get to have the opportunity to replace someone with another guy on your taxi squad. From what I read, according to Dennis Lynn, the Mackenzie Gore is considered. Finley, you have a good point there. Gore is has been considered, but the more likely options of the two of hit of the pitchers on the taxi squad is either Michelle Baez or Luis Perdomo. Those are oh, the more likely options. We could live with Baez, but don't throw Perdomo into the NLDS, dude. That's what Not I agree. Not against the Dodgers. With. Not <laughs> against the Dodgers. Oh Not. Against the Dodgers, not against the Dodgers. We saw, we saw what happened yesterday because, yeah, bullpen was great in Game Three, but now they're finally starting to show the cracks because they're starting to wear down. Like, yeah, you can't blame them completely, but yeah, you're exactly right, Jason. They started, they started showing their cracks, and they started, and they're against a really good, a really good lineup, and it showed. They're tired. And, and they're against a good lineup. And the Dodgers, they're stacked. This team has depth on top of depth. I don't know what 
magical pixie fairy dust they have stashed in the corner to make guys like AJ Pollock and Dustin May turn to superheroes. Justin Maybe they, Turner? Justin Turner, yeah. They have Max, Max Muncy, Muncy, Justin Turner. But what, what are they doing to these guys to make them so good? Like, do they have, like, some secret steroids that they're hiding to, to loophole through MLB's drug testing system? Do they have Compound V from the boys? Who knows? Maybe these guys are just, like, making them like the Avengers or something. I was going to say, they have that, that machine that they put Captain America in. Yeah, they got the super soldier serum. Who knows? That's, oh, my God. But also, Do they Dustin have drones May, instead of trash cans? Yeah, they got drones. That's what they're doing. They, they, they look at the Dodgers, the Astros, and said, yeah, we can do that, but a little better. Let's get the drones flying up in the air. <laughs> Walker Buell, though, yeah. Walker Bueller yesterday, though, incredible. He was just mowing down the Padres. Only had one mistake, really. That was... So he was wild, but the Padres couldn't capitalize on that. The dude had a blister on his finger, and he still yes. threw paint, like 98 on the corner. It, the, the dude's incredible, and I think the Padres know the, the Padres know that. And we, I think the Padres saw him, saw him pretty well. But when you're that good at painting the corner, you're mm-hmm. going to have a really rough day every single time against and a plus, guy like Walker Bueller. What I also want to say is, he was unpredictable. He was wild. But there's strength to that unpredictability because he could throw four-pitch walk to one guy and then just throw, like what you said, Finley, paint on the corner. You honestly don't know where it's coming to you as a hitter, and that throws you off guard. It, you don't have a plan coming and saying, like, well, what's this guy going to do? Is he going to be throwing on the corner 98 and getting everything out of the zone, or is he just going to wildly miss for four straight pitches and not get an easy walk? I have no idea what to expect here. So then when you go from that wild unpredictability to a guy like Dustin May, who's just, again, where's this guy come from? Who is this guy? He's throwing at 90, he's throwing 100 miles an hour, basically saying, go ahead, hit me. I dare you, hit this pitch. I want to see you try to hit this pitch. And now he only throws two innings, and now he might get to start. Dustin May has dominated the Padres so far, and they've got to find a way to like, scratch across a couple runs. I don't need a couple runs. I don't think it's a hot take to say that Dustin May has nastier stuff than Walker Buehler. Because Walker, Walker Buehler is really good mm-hmm. and he's nasty, but Dustin May is just – he threw two perfect innings yesterday with three strikeouts. And the Padres all, all night last night, not just with those two pitchers, I, I can't account for a single – Fly, fly ball out last night. I think there may have been one, I'd like to say. We cannot hit the ball in the air besides no. Nola's hit and besides Grisham's double late in the game. And, yeah. and that's an issue. That's our strength, and the Dodgers are exposing us right now. You know, the Padres have – I'm not saying we've played nothing but soft teams, but – you know, we're not facing the Dodgers every single week. And no. The Dodgers are really showing us up right now. Yeah, and what's also a, a little break from here. Can we please stop going in on close-ups of Dustin May? Please stop getting close-ups of his face. Oh, God, the guy is horrifying to look at. I mean, I'm not going to go there, but they do zoom in on his face a lot. <laughs> He looks like Carrot Top's mutant cousin. All right. He doesn't have eyebrows. 
Look closely yeah. at his face. He doesn't have any eyebrows. The guy yeah. is just... Ugh, okay, that, I'm not going to go on a tangent there because I could really go on a tangent about that. I'm going to stay away from that for now. <laughs> I honestly... Let's not discriminate. We just don't like Dustin May because he's a Dodger. We don't like Dustin May because he's a Dodger. If he was a Padre, I'd deal with it, but he's not. So I, I have the right to make fun of him as a Dodger. What, what were your guys' reactions to um, Jay Singer getting ejected yesterday too? Lance Barrett is a soft umpire. He does, he's a he's very thin-skinned umpire. You're going to get yelled at in a playoff game. Get used to it. Yeah, you're just, your strike zone is bad. We know. So don't throw out the, throw out the manager because he's telling you that you got a bad strike zone. You know, I, I don't mind Tingler getting fired up. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand what he was arguing. I didn't think the strike zone was that bad, if I'm honest. Like, I, thought he was, I thought he was calling a good game. But I think – Tingler wanted to get his team fired up, and it looked like the opposite happened. So, on one hand, it looked good. I liked it when it first happened, and then when the result, when we didn't get the result that I think he wanted, it just looked kind of dumb at the end of the day. We actually, there's a Twitter account on a, there's a Twitter account, it's called, um, I'd like to say it is, the Twitter account's called Umpire Scorecards. And it goes through every like, and it and it watches every game and describes in detail how the umpires did. Mm-hmm. First off, CB Buckner was much worse than Lance Barrett. Like the guy was missing all kinds of calls, but overall accuracy for Lance for Lance Barrett behind the plate yesterday in yesterday's game was ninety one percent of correct calls. That is, he called one hundred eighty one of one hundred ninety eight total taken pitches called correctly. The average, the actual average for a correct call in Major League Baseball is 95%. Okay, so he's below average. He's a little bit below average, but outside the zone, outside zone accuracy, this is 133 of 139 true balls called correctly. So 96%. Good job. He's calling him outside the, outside the strike zone. He's calling him, he's calling him correctly. It's a ball. Take your walk. Inside the zone, 81% zone accuracy. That's weird. He called 48 of 59 true strikes correctly. Impact of missed calls. He increased the Dodgers' run expectancy by 0.46 runs and decreased San Diego's run expectancy by 0.01 runs. 0.01 runs. So he basically gave the Dodgers an extra half, half a run with his calls. And Tingler described after the game, he said that, yeah, he's he already been warned three times during the game, but he just couldn't hear them because the for some reason Texas decided to pump up the crowd noise for way too much. It's a playoff game. You'd expect him to pump up the crowd noise, I think. Yeah, I guess. I, mean, I, was... I, get, I understand what Tingler's saying. I'm just saying I don't think the crowd noise was too much. Mm-hmm. Revan, what do you think about the ejection? What did you like? Did you like I it? Think, did you not like it? I think it was just because of balls and strikes and some pitches out of the zone that were called strikes. I mean, it happened to Tatis. Uh, to, to um, I think it was about the fifth inning or something like that, where it was on three and two. Um, yeah, I think it's – and with the Padres, 
yesterday was all about getting base runners on because we saw them steal what three bases yesterday. Three bases. You know, yes. and yeah, and one of those led to a run, and you know that was kind of that was the crucial thing of just getting on, knowing the how wild Walker Buehler was. But I think the mm-hmm. big inning that where the Padres had it squared and didn't was in that second inning when they loaded the bases. Yeah, definitely. So, look, I don't know if Tingler is going to get ejected again today. There's a good chance because he's got Angel Hernandez behind the plate. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm serious. Angel's oh, behind the plate today. Who let him in the playoffs, dude? Are I don't know. Kidding? He's going to sue for racial discrimination if he doesn't get playoff games again, even though he well, doesn't I mean, l- Listen, I'm – yeah, I, I don't understand. You don't – I'm not a big umpire guy. I don't know all of them. But I know Angel Hernandez is garbage. <laughs> He's really bad. What? <laughs> I, I just don't understand. I, I hope I hope it goes our way. But like, if you're gonna be bad, be be bad to the Dodgers, not us. When it's when it's Angel Hernandez, it's a mixed bag. You don't know what to expect when it comes to Angel. It could be something totally awful, or it could be just bad. That's all. That's what you expect. It's another. Brilliant idea of Ma- Rob Manfred right there. Yep. So, Is it going to be like a similar ejection to Phil Nevin earlier in the year? <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we get another Aaron, an Aaron Boone type ejection. That would be really fun. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, not with t- – Tangler could pop. I think Tangler could pull it off. He could pull it off. <laughs> Maybe. All right. We got Clayton Kershaw today. Hopefully it's like playoff Kershaw. Like – Old. No, hopefully it's not uh, – hopefully it's choke playoff Kershaw. Yeah, hopefully it's choke playoff Kershaw, not good playoff Kershaw because that's – we kind of need that. And you know what? I mean, Quentin – I give all the credit to Quentin Kershaw in the world. He's a generational pitching talent. But mm-hmm. the Padres have actually done really well against them the last couple of times we played them. Going back to last year where Manny Machado hit a couple home runs off of them and Grisham hit that home run – off Clayton Kershaw earlier in September that I got us all fired up and Dave Roberts yelled at him. So again, Clayton Kershaw, he's an amazing pitcher, but I think the Potters can handle him much at least easier than Walker Bueller and Dustin May. Also the strategy against Kershaw, according to MLB.com, the best way to get to Clayton Kershaw right now, go after the first pitch. He's used his four-seam fastball and slider about 40% of the time on a first pitch. The, uh, the other 20% is curveballs. You have to throw – you have to jump on that first pitch. That's what I'm saying. If you can jump on the first pitch on Kershaw, it's going to be a strike. Hit it and just go. You cannot you, – this is the day you can't be selective. You have to be aggressive today. This is the time to hit Kershaw early, hit him hard, and knock him out of the game. It's time for San Diego to wake up. I think Started to where it all began. Yeah, exactly. Back in Arlington. I think our chances are okay today because it's Kershaw, and I'm hoping Davies going to have another bounce back because Zach Davies has done good. He had his one only hiccup last game. If he can get out of the first two innings, I think he's going to do good. I think we'll be fine. I agree. Keep the faith. Just got to stay positive. 
Yeah, I think if Davies can go four to five innings today mm-hmm. and give up at at least at least one run at the most, probably three or four, you'd hope for less. But if he can if he can do that, then I think the Padres will be in pretty good shape. That'll save some of our bullpen arms and and hopefully we can pull out of this game with a victory. And I think so. Because I think we could take on some of the Dodgers' bullpen, but we just faced two absolute nasty flamethrowers last night with Dustin May and Walker Bueller, and that's just – you, you you stack any lineup, any baseball team against those two, you're, they're not going to win. It's just unfair. Mm-hmm. Brevin, any thoughts? Yeah, I think, too, you just got to, you know, like you said, Jason, get to Clint Kershaw, but – yeah, you know, I think in terms of the whole series, I think, you know, if you could find a way to win this series, I think there's a good chance you have it to win it all. And here's why. Uh, you, you look at last year with the Nationals beating the Dodgers in the division series. You look at the year before with the Red Sox beating the Dodgers in the World Series. Same thing with the Astros. And even the year before that with the Cubs uh, in 16. And I think if the Padres can find a win to – can find a way to – beat the Dodgers this series, I think things will be looking good for the Padres. Mm-hmm. All right, so I like that strategy a lot. That's a good strat. We just got to take this game. I got We got to even up the series. You cannot play two games down. That's basically a death sentence against the Dodgers. Unless we want to throw it back to 84. Oh, wouldn't that be a... That's, <laughs> oh my God. I was like no Dodger starting busters pitching through the Cub Busters. <laughs> yep. No starting pitching. It's somehow beating the Dodgers. Oh my God! I would laugh for years. I will laugh for years if that happens. I would accept 100 loss seasons after that if we were able to pull that off. Well, but we got to beat Kershaw first. So, mm-hmm. yep. Let's not worry about that. <laughs> I know, there's also other games going on in the in the playoffs right now. Even here in our good old-fashioned San Diego, there's actually uh, quite a few games going on right now. So, really quickly, let's, let's say we run through these real quick, see what we got on tap right now. So, first off, we're going to have the Houston Astros and the Oakland A's currently squaring off right now at Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine. Look. I don't know how the Astros are still doing this. They're a good team. Yes, they're a good team. And yes, they did cheat. But they're actually beating the A's right now. In terms of games right now, it's two games to zero. Houston might actually advance when no one thought they would. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and right now, as we're talking, it's a 4-4 game. Uh, Houston just came back with a two-run shot. They the Ash, the A's, I'm sorry, just took out Jesus Lazardo after four and a third innings. Um, this is this is huge for the Astros. You know they've been getting hate all year long. They're they're going up against their AL West rivals, and um, if they could take this in Dodger Stadium, that'll be a statement for sure. God, wouldn't that be crazy? The Astros winning a winning a playoff series at the same place where they kind of helped win a. Win a World Series. They like Dodger Stadium. 
yeah, whatever, whatever floats their boat. But I don't think Oakland's going to go down that easily, especially not without a fight. Like you said, it's tied 4-4 now. And both games, game one and game two of the series, were very close. So who knows? They might actually be able to maybe rattle off a couple wins. Hey, you're still down 2-0, but you're not dead yet. Keep fighting. I just want to see Billy Bean succeed, man. It's he struggled for so long to actually get a winning team, and now he's finally got one. Hopefully, he can get it. I want to see Billy Bean succeed. I agree. That'd be nice. I to think. See. I think too with this series. I think it's going to come down to starting pitching. You know, we see Jesus Cesardo today. We saw Sean Manaya yesterday, and I think it's really going to come down to starting pitching. You know, you Astros are going to have Zach Greinke tomorrow. You know, they have Irkwoody today and uh, yesterday they had McCullers. And I think that's going to be the key thing in this particular series. Mm -hmm. Also, also in the American League, we have the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees, two American League East teams facing off. We saw a little bit of a, uh, I guess we could say a bit of a sequel to a Grand Slam Diego because Giancarlo Stanton you know, man who's made with muscles and more power in his bat than name your power hitter here. Get a grand slam over the bleachers yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that, but that's an impressive yep. feat of strength. Right underneath the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know what to make of the Yankees, to be honest. Like, one day they look great, and the next they just don't look good about the Yankees, like, what, what, what do you make of them? Like, are they a good team? They got battered by injuries, but they came back. Can they advance past the Rays? Well, this is a very talented Yankees team. You get a bunch of really, really great athletes like John Carlos Stanton, like uh, Aaron Judge, like uh, DJ Will Mayhew. And their pitching is, you know, you look at, you can look at Garrett Cole and he's really good. But after that, you know, you got Tanaka who has good moments. And then you have, heck, I, I'm sorry. I don't even know. You got James Paxson, right? Yeah, the James Paxson, the big old, the big Canadian. You also got um, J.A. Happ. You have Happ. Yeah. He was, uh, they had a one, I was kind of watching the game yesterday. They had one guy start the game, go only an inning. And then they had Happ come in which was really interesting in my opinion, because why only have your starter go one inning then try and then transition to J.A. Happ? You must have a lot of confidence there, Aaron Boone. I'll give Boone credit. He's doing his best. He's actually trying to come up with some nice Wiley strategies. But against the Rays, they're always a tough team because in terms of analytics, these guys are insane. Also, I think about this series, I think it's with the Rays. You know, a team that won 40 games and probably something that was a question heading into this season was if a team can win 40 games. And I think it's the, I think it's the consistency that the Rays have had. They have the starting, they have the pitching. And I can't really say starting pitching because of, of the analytics and the idea of going with the openers. And then you have, you know, just the lineup with Hunter Renfro and Manny Margot returning to San Diego. You have Kevin Kiermeyer and Brandon Lau and Austin Meadows and G-Man Choi that can make that lineup consistent. Also, shout out to Manny Margot. Hit a home run yesterday at Petco Park. It was one of his uh, 
it was one of his trademark uh, line drive home runs over the center field fence. I actually saw that on TV while I was waiting for the Padres. Going like, really, Margot? You couldn't have done that earlier for us. <laughs> done that a little bit more for San Diego, but you know, hey, I'm man, not- we're happy to have Trent Grisham. I'm happy to have Trent Grisham too. He's been struggling a little bit, I know, but he had a double yesterday. It would have been nice if he had that double when the bases were loaded with the in the second inning, was it? I think it was the yeah, second inning. It was the second inning. Oh my god, talk about a missed opportunity right there. Jesus, another bad missed opportunity for the Padres there. But we're not talking about the Padres. We're talking about the Yankees and the Rays. Good for Manny Margot finally actually doing something here. And now one more team I think we can talk about before we actually actually wrap up. We're starting to get really close to the end of our segment here. Yeah. One more team. And I'm ha- I'm honestly a little upset that this is going to end because it's been the Atlanta Braves game. and the Miami Marlins, the Marlins have never lost a playoff series in their entire existence. It's starting to look like they're finally going to lose one. Just as soon as you doubt them, that's when it will happen, Jason. <laughs> Don't count out the freaking Marlins, bro. <laughs> the power of, I don't know who's on their team, Sixto, Chance, Sixto Sanchez, the power of Sixto Anderson. Anderson. Are you kidding me? Like right can now? you say power and you bring up a pitcher? Garrett Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, the Marlins, the Marlins that team is playing right now, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, uh, no, they, no, they, uh, no, that game was played earlier today. Yeah, the Braves sent them out 2 to 0. Oh, wow, really? Okay, yeah, I thought they were still playing right now, but 2 0, yeah. Marlins are. I honestly want to see the Marlins win because not only will that be a huge underdog story and will the narrative continue that Miami will never lose a playoff series once they get in, but it's just going to be so funny to see the Marlins, a team that was tied with the Orioles and the Tigers for worst playoff chances at the beginning of the season, see them go on to face the Dodgers. If Miami wins, if Miami comes back, beats the Braves, moves on to face the Dodgers, and somehow beats L.A., they're my World Series pick. Hey, man, wait, what do you say about the Padres, huh? Yeah, wait, hold on. <laughs> you count out the Padres right now? Yeah. There's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of questions. If the Padres win and they have to face the Marlins, sure. You want the Dodgers to win, don't you? You got money on them. Is that <laughs> it? I'm not betting on the Dodgers. All right, not, here we go. You heard of her first. <laughs> <laughs> you heard yeah, it I'm, here first. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a traitor to the cause. Yeah, I'll, I, I will die before I wear the Dodger blue. Before I support. But the but but if you go back, you hear Jason say, "Keep the faith." Yeah, if you go back, you'll hear me say, yeah, "Keep the faith." That makes a lot of sense. I I will die before I support the Dodgers. I will if never. The, if the Marlins played the Dodgers in the NLCS, that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious because no one sees it coming. Also, it screws over the it screws over the MLB because where's their marketing now? It's like, well, we can't mar- market the Marlins. How are we supposed to do that? This team was dead in the water in the beginning of the season. Now that the Just playoffs, play their now. games in Cuba. That's where most of their fan base is. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure yeah, they got a big fan base in Cuba. Yeah, Mar- hey, Jason, what if it was the Padres and the Marlins in the C- in the NLCS? Dude, yeah, that's easy. Sexy. That's easy. Then you can market it up as two up-and-coming teams that are going to be in the playoffs, and that will most likely be in the playoffs for years to come. That's an easy market right there. So yeah, they got they they have 
by up and coming stars. They've been the teams have built up similarly to like how pro, the prospects, you know, the Marlins, they traded JT Ramuto and they got Sixto Sanchez back. Padres, they traded James Shields, they got Fernando Tatis Jr. back. And no, that's not the trade you speak about. You speak about Fernando Rodney for Chris Paddock and Josh Naylor. That's the trade you speak oh. about right there. You mean, and, and, then and then Josh can build on for this. Clevenger, yeah. Yeah, you can, exactly. Yep. Like what Finley said, you can build on it by saying they got Chris Paddock, they got Josh Naylor from the Marlins, they took Naylor, threw him to, my, threw him to Cleveland to get Mike Clevenger. You can build on that. that is so, it's an easy market. It's an easy sell. But the Dodgers, it's like, what, you go back to the same underdog story you always pedal out? Yep. It's like, come on. And it'll just be like the Nationals last year, too. Hey, exactly. Don't forget the big Marlon Padre deal where the Padres got Trevor Cameron Hoffman. Eben. Well, uh, we'll go back even further. What about Trevor Hoffman? Trevor oh, Hoffman. The fire there we go. Sale. Look at that. Oh, Look at that. So Marlins were like, oh, let's just throw in Trevor Hoffman. Here you go. Uh, we want we we want that Sheffield kid. Uh, who do who do you want? We got this uh we got this converted shortstop named Trevor. He, he he's pretty crap. So you want him? Sure, take him. Yeah, it's a Hall of Famer. That'd be pretty fun. Let's hope we can get there. I think I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't really predict anything. But if it was my choice, Padres, Marlins, NLCS all day. That's my <laughs> choice. Marketing I don't even mind seeing Padres Braves. That's a that's a classic series. That would be a classic Going back, so. But Marlins Padres would be pretty sexy for Major League Baseball. And just funny. It would be oh. hilarious. Could you imagine, too, if the Braves played the Padres? Ronald Acuna Jr. going against Fernando Tatis Jr.? <gasps> oh, the hype would be unbearable. Well, not for oh, me, because I'm a Padres bad. fan. I think, I think it's awesome. But for the rest of baseball, like all the old school fans complaining about bat flipping. Oh, Doing in our game. Oh my god, he oh my god, he flipped the bat. Kill him. <laughs> Me like the Marlins after yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, unfortunately, he had a home run off of us. Unfortunately, gentlemen, that is the uh that is the end of our segment. We're coming across the end of it. It's 58 minutes right now, and KCR usually allows us to go 58 minutes before they don't want us to go any further over that. So you have been listening to Picked Off. I'm your host, Jason Freund. I am joined by... Kevin Honda. And Andrew Finley. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we will see you next time.